Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity we have to be changed, that you, the creator of the universe, would come to us and to speak your word into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives. Lord, I pray that it would change us into more of the likeness of Christ. Uh, thank you for the Sunday school lesson that we could study together. And now, Lord, as we sit under the sound of the preaching, I pray you'd be with Brother Eric. Give him unction of your spirit and uh, clarity in your word that he could share the things you've laid upon his heart that we're in need of understanding today. I pray your blessing on our service today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. As Todd mentioned, this is the second uh, in a series as we look forward to the ordination next month. It's coming right up. Ten years since we've had an ordination here. And I'm looking forward to it. Todd did a very good job two weeks ago of explaining that God will choose from among us and why we do that, and the responsibility that each one of us have in that process. The title of the message this morning is Embracing the Call. Specifically, in this case, embracing the call to that of a deacon. That call might come as a surprise to you, or you maybe feel God has been preparing you for that for quite some time. And as I look out across here, I'm speaking to all of you. It's not just to one person, not one of you that we know of has been chosen yet, that will happen. So I'm speaking to all of you in this message. Don't think that you need to be doing something extraordinary in your life for God to call you as a deacon. If you look through the scripture, many people that were chosen by God were not doing extraordinary things. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. David was watching sheep. Elisha was plowing a field. We read this morning, James and John were mending their nets. Saul was out searching for his father's donkeys. People were living life. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. We don't read that they were great missionaries in a faraway land, that they were doing something extraordinary for God. They were being who they were supposed to be. And that is who God chooses to use. I think we need to change our perspective when it comes to the call of God in the life of a Christian or the call of God within the church. And I ran this idea by a few people just to make sure I wasn't being too radical in my thoughts here. But I think we need to change our perspective of this. As I look across the group here, there are many different jobs or vocations that you have. There's carpenters, there's loggers, there's bulk food store, there's truckers, lots of different jobs that you have. And you take pride in your work. We all are not ashamed to want to be the best in the occupation that we have. 
We educate ourselves to know the business well. We market wisely to sell our product or our service. We take pride in being the best in the industry. We want to be the best in the industry. What is your approach when it comes to a responsibility within the church? The New Testament gives many references to our call. Not maybe a specific call, but it gives many references to our calling. It says we are called according to his purpose. It talks about the hope of our calling. Called to fellowship. Called out of darkness into light. Many, many references to being called. And we feel, you will feel the call of God in your life. Everyone who who becomes a Christian will feel the call of God in your life. Well, we were at Bible school. We had revival meetings there. And I had a son who felt the call of God in his life. And we respond to that with joy. We're, we're joyful. We willingly accept that call. If you're a Christian today, you have accepted and you have embraced that call of God on your life. But there are calls within that call. There's responsibilities that come within that calling. We willingly be, accept the call to become a Christian. But how do we respond when we're given the opportunity of service within that call? When it comes to responsibilities within the church, I have seen many people simply endure their term of service. Just if I can make it through this two years, then, I, then I'm done. I can get back whatever it is. It's a Sunday school teacher, a trustee, or a superintendent, or summer Bible school, or teaching something, or whatever it is. Usher, song leader. If I can just make it through. And I don't think that should be our, our attitude or our, our approach to this. And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. And I'm not painting with the same brush for everything here. But I've seen that, where people simply endure their term of service. They do it without trying to rise above the status quo of what's been done in the past. This is how good he did. As long as I measure up to that, I'm good. Nick Cassidy says that Christians enjoy the get-out-of-jail-free card of conversion and leave it at that. And he's talking about nominal Christianity, but I wonder if sometimes that creeps into our setting a little bit, where we enjoy the get-out-of-jail-free card. We're saved, we've accepted salvation, and then we float along. The Christian life is meant to be a lot more than that. Nick Cassidy goes on to say, and he's right, he said, many Christians want conversion without conviction. And what that means is we accept, we accept Christ into our life, we're converted, but that's as far as we want to take it. We, like, we enjoy the idea of being saved without the responsibility or without having to think for ourselves or without having to stand for anything for ourselves. That's enjoying conversion without conviction. So I'd like to encourage you this morning, whether you're a trustee or a Sunday school teacher, or a song leader, or an usher, or if you're chosen to serve as deacon.
The title of the message this morning is Embracing the Call, and I'd like to define the term embracing the call. Embracing is claiming it, not being ashamed of it, accepting it, pouring yourself into it. And this again is specifically for the call of deacon, but it can be for any responsibility that you've been called to in the church. We have our reorganization twice a year and you are called by the church to fill that role. So I'm encouraging you, embrace the call. I'd like to look at three aspects of embracing the call this morning. The first part of embracing the call is being willing to accept it. The second part is have confidence in God's enabling power. And the third part of embracing the call is enjoying the blessings of that call. And I can see in your minds right now, some of you are saying, huh, blessings in the call. This will be good. It is. There are blessings in the call. So the first part, 1 Timothy 3.13 says, they that have used the, I'm sorry, for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Number one, be willing to accept the call. That's the first part of embracing the call. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'd like to draw some lessons from Saul, the first king of Israel. He was called by God. And I'd like to look and see how he did at embracing the call that he had on his life. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20. This is when Saul is chosen before all the people of Israel. He's chosen to be king. 1 Samuel 10, verse 20. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. I'll stop reading there. Saul had been anointed by God to be king at the beginning of this chapter, chapter 10, verse 1, and now he was confirmed before all the people, he was confirmed probably by the use of the lot. It doesn't mention that, but probably by the use of the lot. He was confirmed among all the people. And in verse 22, it says when he could not be found, he couldn't be found because he was hiding among the stuff or some translations might say the baggage or the luggage or the things that they had along. He was hiding there. Isn't it amazing the baggage we can find to hide behind? Think through the Old Testament or think through the scripture with me of people who were chosen by God and some of the baggage or some of the stuff they hid behind. I thought of Moses. Moses hid behind some baggage when God called him. He hid behind some excuses. In Exodus chapter 3, he said, I can't speak. I'm not a speaker. He said, they won't listen to me. These are the excuses he came up with. It was 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, November 1st, it will be 10 years ago that I was ordained and I hid behind some baggage. You found me hiding behind some stuff. 
and some of the things that I was hiding behind is the fear of difficult times. I'd been around ministers enough to know that there are difficult times. That's some of the stuff I was hiding behind. I was afraid that some relationships in my life would change. I was afraid of scrutiny, living in a glass house. I was afraid of public speaking. I was comfortable with life the way it was. This is the stuff I was hiding behind and honestly still find myself hiding behind. Embracing the call of God is willingly accepting the call, getting out from hiding behind this baggage or this stuff. I'm convinced this morning that Satan will emphasize the weight of this calling rather than the strength of the one who has called you. He will emphasize the weight, and it is. The call to being a deacon, is, it's, it is a weighty calling. But Satan will emphasize the weight of the calling rather than the strength of the one who has called you. So why was Saul hiding? Why do we find him hiding? Why do I hide? God is choosing one of you. Why might you find yourself hiding behind some baggage, behind this stuff? Is it humility? Is it false humility? Is it real humility? Is it a fear of what might change in your life? Are you comfortable with life as it is now and you just don't want that shaken up at all? Embracing the call might mean rearranging some of your priorities. It did for me. But I want to encourage you, be willing to accept the call as the first step in embracing the call. Being willing to accept the call. The second part of embracing the call is finding confidence in God's enabling power. We have a tendency to find confidence in things we know, things we're comfortable with and things we can fall back on, things that we know. So I ask you this morning, how comfortable are you? How much do you know? How much have you experienced and can you trust God's enabling power in your life? Have you needed to do that? Turn to 1 Samuel 13. Here we find Saul finding confidence in his abilities. 1 Samuel 13, verse 8. Just as a little background here, Jonathan had just attacked a Philistine garrison and they were now retaliating. Verse 5 here in 1 Samuel 13 says, The Philistines were in number as the sand of the sea and Saul had 3,000 men who were deserting him daily. The Philistines had taken away all of the weapons of the people, or most of the weapons, most of the tools and weapons of the people of Israel and what, what little they had left, they weren't, it says there were no blacksmiths around to sharpen them. They weren't able to do that. So they were hiding in the caves. They were trying to get away. First Samuel 13 verse 8. And he tarried seven days according to the time, the set time that Samuel had appointed. 
But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw the people were scattered from me, and thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. Then he goes on and he says that I went on and I, I offered this sacrifice. Samuel had told Saul to wait seven days and he would come and show him what he should do. So Saul is the leader. He is the king of Israel. He was chosen. He is the leader. And he finds himself in a dilemma here. The few soldiers he had were scattering and hiding. The Philistines were thinking of attacking him. And Samuel isn't coming when he said he was going to come. So Saul, as a leader, as the king, he takes matters into his own hands. In verse 11, Samuel asks Saul, he says, What have you done? And what he's saying is, What did you do and why did you do it? And notice Saul's response. It's very revealing. He says three things. He says, The people were scattered. He says, You weren't coming. And the Philistines were gathering. Those are his excuses or his reasons. The people were scattering, you weren't coming, and the Philistines were gathering. In each of these excuses, Saul is relying on his own ability rather than seeing the power of God, rather than trusting and relying on the power of God. Is that too strong to say that? If he would have remembered the power of God, the enabling power of God, he would have been able to wait. He would not have seen the weight of his calling, but he would have seen the strength of the one that had called him. Saul was relying on his own abilities rather than God's promises. Saul did have abilities. I would have loved to see Saul. It says he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He had a commanding presence. I know men who have that commanding presence. They are leaders. They look like leaders. They just carry themselves that way and I'm sure that's what Saul was. He was tall. He had a commanding presence. He had begun his reign in humility and God had blessed him with success in that. He had abilities, but he was relying on those rather than the promises of God. He had confidence in his call as king and in his own success rather than on the promises of God. When I was newly ordained, someone wisely told me, you are not called to be successful. You are called to be faithful. Think about that. You are not called to be successful. You are called to be faithful. How do we even measure success? We all probably have our own ways of measuring this success, but we aren't called to be successful. We are called to be faithful. When I fully embrace the call of God, I will believe the power of God in my life rather than relying on my own abilities. Second Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of may be of God and not of us. This is why God chose, told Gideon 
to get rid of most of his army, send most of his army home, left him with 300 men. I think it describes his opponents as maybe the sand of the sea or as, as a grasshopper. There was many of them. So God's power could be revealed in Gideon's weakness. I can relate to this struggle here though that Saul had. He had a problem in front of him. He is responsible. What abilities does he have that he can solve this problem and make it right? When I am called to speak somewhere, give a message, or I'm given a responsibility to do at any time, but in this instance, specifically within the church, I want to do well. Why is that? Why do I want to do well? What are, what are my motives in wanting to do well? When you're given a job within the church, a responsibility, you want to do well, why? There are times, you're probably used to this, but this is my confession time, I guess. There are times when I get up and I preach and I sit down here and I think, that just clicked. Everything worked well. It, it worked. Uh, if, if you didn't get it, it's not my fault because it sounded, it worked well this morning. And I'm convinced that's my reward. That's all I get. That's it. There are other times I sit down and I shake my head and I say, why do I bother? The announcements made more sense than the whole message. Why do I bother? And afterwards, then someone will come and they'll thank me for something when God, where God had touched their heart or their life or something that made sense to them. And it wasn't even in my notes. I don't even remember saying it. So whose ability do I rely on? It is a, I'm going to speak for Todd and Claire here, but it is a constant struggle to get behind ourselves, to not rely on our own abilities. Turn to 1 Samuel 15. Another thing we can look for for confidence in rather than in the enabling power of God is in the approval of others. Approval of man rather than God's enabling power. In 1 Samuel 15 here, Saul was sent, I I don't think I'll take the time to read this passage, but he was sent to destroy the Amalekites and did not do a thorough job. You know how he came back and Samuel came and said, what is this that I hear? You didn't destroy everything. And he said, well, yes, I didn't. He said, no, you didn't. And Samuel helped Saul see how he really did not do what God had asked him to do. Samuel proved to Saul in a way that he couldn't deny that he had disobeyed. Now look at verse 30. Saul's response in verse 30. He says, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. Because Saul did not fully embrace this calling, he was seeking approval and he was seeking confidence in the approval of men. He wanted to look good. He, was, he wanted this confidence to look good before men. That's where he was finding his confidence rather than in the enabling power of God. He was looking for the affirmation of other people. As it 
minister or as a church leader and as a deacon, there are many times, many situations and times with even the advice of other wise men, the counsel of other people, where there is no clear direction, no clear course to take. Do you let an issue or let a situation go or do you address it? If you do address it, what's the best way to do that? To fully embrace the call, we need to find confidence in the enabling power of God and that means in trusting, He will give you the discernment in these times when there is no clear direction. Rather than seeking the approval of men. Someone else has said, if your goal is to please everyone, you should question whether or not you are a leader. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Again, keeping in mind, we're looking and embracing this call Part of embracing the call is finding the confidence in the enabling power of God. Colossians 1 verse 10, verse 10 and 11. When we do this, when we find our confidence in the enabling power of God, we will find privilege and joy in service. And I'm not just saying that because it's a nice thing to say. But you will find privilege and joy in service. Colossians 1 verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now here in verse 11, it says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Did you ever think of what that means? Verse 11, Look at this again. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. So you are finding your confidence in the enabling power of God. Unto all patience and long suffering. Be nice if it stopped there. But it says with joyfulness. There is joy. And it is a privilege to serve. This does not mean that it will always be sunshine and roses. It will not be. But when you fully embrace the call, there will be joy. And joy and happiness, don't confuse those. Joyfulness here is a peaceful confidence and I can testify to that. There is a peaceful confidence when you know, you know you are following and and seeing the privilege of serving Almighty God. There's a peaceful confidence and that is the joy that it's talking about. Someone once said, ministry is not a job or a Sunday routine. It's a privilege to be chosen and to be used by God. Some of you look skeptical that it is a privilege to be chosen and used by God. It is a privilege to be chosen and used by God. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me Enabling power of God, I I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, that he hath counted me faithful, 
putting me into the ministry. Paul recognized the enabling power of God in his ministry and was thankful that God saw him or counted him worthy of being a faithful servant. That is a privilege that he saw of serving God. First of all, the first part of embracing the call is willingly accepting the call. The second part of embracing the call is to find the confidence in God's enabling power. And now I'd like to look at the blessings of embracing the call. <clears throat> A few of the practical blessings of embracing the call. 1 Timothy 3.13 says, For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Other versions say this. It says, You will get respect from others if you fill the office of a deacon well. You will get respect from others, and you will. An increased confidence in the faith. Now, a few of the blessings, this is on a practical side, that I have experienced in embracing the call, and it's not something, probably not something that you will just, boom, now I've embraced the call and it's good. It's, a, it's something you need to work at. But in my experience, the first blessing I mention here is the blessing of fulfillment. There is definitely a blessing of fulfillment. After you take a day and visit somebody in the hospital, cheer them up, seeing a young person make a wise choice, a wise decision, helping someone through a difficult time, just encouraging someone, the satisfaction of knowing you have given everything you have and you just leave it up to God for the results. That is fulfilling. There is fulfillment in that. There are physical blessings as well in embracing the call. And I, it might seem selfish, but I'm going to say these anyway. The physical blessings. I have gotten encouraging emails from some of you or from other people when I need them the most. I've received text messages just encouraging me. Um, keep it up. Thank you for the message. Those are blessings. People have come up to me with a word of encouragement. I've got an envelope, envelopes in my mailbox with money in them. The things that you all did this fall for pastor appreciation in October, November, December, it, it dragged on. That was a blessing. There's blessings of personal growth. I don't know who said it, but I agree with them. They said they believe God called them into the ministry for their own good more than for the good of anybody else. And I think, for me, that's true. As part of as being a minister and being, being a church leader and, and for one of you, being a deacon... In needing to prepare messages and teaching and studying, you will grow in the Word. You will learn to appreciate the Word of God in a way that you probably don't now. And, and you'll gain a depth of personal growth and spiritual growth. I can definitely say that studying to teach and to preach has helped me to grow. Another way that it helps me to grow spiritually is in 
in helping other people, in working with other people, needing wisdom to know what to say, when to say it, when not to say it, how to say it. If you rely on your own abilities, you're sunk. You have to rely on the enabling power of God, learning from the example of other people, either good or bad examples. Another blessing is the blessing of other ministers. I was ordained, I was blessed to be ordained into a very stable ministry team. And I'm looking forward to whoever you are that will be joining. We, I have, as we work together, I think each of us could predict fairly accurately where the other will come out on a certain issue. We, we know, we've come to know how we think and we don't always agree. But we've, we've come to a place where we can, we can trust that someone else has more wisdom in reading into a situation and we can get behind that and be unified as a ministry. That is such a blessing to be able to be unified and Todd and Claire are some of my, my best friends because of that. There's a blessing in other ministers. Another thing I didn't understand until I was ordained is I, I, I could never understand how someone could say, we, were, we went to the Midwest ministers meeting and had a great time. How could you have a great time at a ministers meeting? But it is. And if, if you would ask me why or how, half of it, or maybe, maybe less, about half maybe, is the, the good sermons and the messages geared towards ministry and church leaders. The other half is the, I don't want to sound, make it too light, but the camaraderie that you feel with other ministers and the friends that you, that you make there, that everyone is in the same boat. There is a real blessing in that as well. Another blessing is the spiritual blessings. When you embrace the call as a deacon, or whatever, whatever you have. But when you embrace that call, you will find that you will not be able to spread yourself emotionally far enough to meet the needs even within your own congregation. You will not be able to do that. But you can rest in this. You can sleep at night because we know that we have a God who is the good and great shepherd and we are merely under shepherds. We can leave it in his hands. You won't be able to meet those needs. You won't be able to spread yourself thin enough to meet the emotional needs of everybody or the spiritual needs of everybody in your congregation. I have trouble getting beyond my own family. But we serve the good, great shepherd. And when the, and when the chief shepherd, shall appear. He shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That is one final blessing that you will receive. This, this blessing is specifically tailored 
for church leaders. It says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I'd like to encourage every one of you, whether you are chosen to fill the role of deacon or not, embrace the call of God in your life where you are. Move on from conversion to conviction. Accept those responsibilities that God has for you. You are called by God through the church. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer?